0: Hi there, and welcome to episode number 86 of the People Powered Business Podcast. Christy Lee here, your host. Hope you're having a wonderful day. And for our returning listeners, thank you so much for listening to us each and every week. It's been great to have you here, and I'm really appreciating all the feedback I'm getting about the podcast. And if you're brand new here to the People Powered Business Podcast, welcome. It's fabulous to have you here. I'm so pleased you're here, and I really hope you enjoy the episodes that you are listening into. Now, today's episode is a nice, short and sweet technical update for you, and today we're talking about superannuation, because yet again, as we record this podcast episode live, there have been some updates when it comes to the superannuation that we need to pay our teams here in Australia specifically, we've had a change that we're referring to as super stapling. I don't know who comes up with these terms, to be quite honest, but that is the term that they are using. So today we're going to unpack what that is, what it means to you as a business owner or someone who is managing people and looking after payroll, what you need to do, and we're going to recap the more general changes happening in superannuation in the coming years. So it'll be a nice short and sweet episode, but it is something you really need to be aware of. So I thought it was really important to bring you a brief technical update uh, this week on the podcast. So super stapling, what on earth is it? Basically, there's been some changes to the rules around allocating superannuation to a super fund on behalf of employees. So what you would know up until now is that when you have a new staff member join you, you give them a form known as a superannuation choice form or a choice of fund form. You might refer to it as a few different things, but it's that form where your new employee gets to fill out their super details. And this is where they get to tell you which superannuation fund they want their super to go to. Now, it's pretty common practice these days that most employees have a preferred super fund and will give you those details. But if they don't, up until now, you've just been able to allocate super to your preferred industry fund if they don't nominate a super fund. But what has actually changed is that step in the process. So instead of just being able to go direct to your preferred default industry fund, there is a new step in the process as a result of these rules around super stapling. And this all came into effect from the 1st of November this year, the 1st of November 2021. So what it now means is that there's an extra step you need to take into looking into whether this employee has what they're now referring to is as a stapled superannuation fund. And what that means is a stapled super fund is purely an existing super account that is linked to or stapled to, hence the name, an individual employee and basically follows them around as they change jobs. You can see why this has been put into place in that in the early days of compulsory superannuation contributions by employers, I don't know about you, but we all got in the trap of having like 10 different super funds because each employer would just pop it into their own nominated fund and you'd find that you had super everywhere. You know, you'd have super with REST, the retail employee's superannuation fund when you're in retail, uh, possibly with Host Plus in hospitality. You um, know, just so many industry funds. And for many of us, when this was all very new, we ended up with funds everywhere. And there was a lot of issues with lost super around that as well. So this is just another attempt to, to tighten up a loophole, not even a loophole, a little hole that exists in how the process works at the moment. So what do you need to do as an employer or someone looking after payroll Now, effective 1st of November. So not a lot changes at the front end of the process. You still need to request, you still need to give them that superannuation choice form and ask them to fill that out. What does change that is if they give you that form back blank, you can't automatically just put them in your default nominated industry fund. You have to go through an extra step, which is to log into the ATO services, so log into ATO and request them to review whether there are any stapled superannuation funds for this employee so it's going to be an ATO website process Um, and when you first have to do it it'll all be new but then you'll get used to it and it'll be fine so you just have to log into the ATO services and put in the details of the employee to request information as to whether there is a stapled superannuation fund for this employee Now, what they're saying is that the results are going to come back very quickly. It's going to be a matter of minutes and the information is going to be right in front of you on your screen. So it shouldn't be a stressful or lengthy process. And if you want it to, you could have your tax agent or your accountant actually do this for you and log in from there and to the ATO. So you can get help with this if you prefer. Now you won't be able to do this until you've actually lodged the tax the new employee's tax file declaration form with the ATO because they'll need those details. So you will have had to have done that step first. And then the results will appear as to whether there is a stapled superannuation fund, and if there is, then you will need to uh, contribute to that fund on behalf of the employee. So What it means for you is basically there is just one extra step when it comes to setting up a new employee in your payroll system. And I think it's important to be aware that there are actual penalties if you don't follow this process. So if you decide, oh, that's all too hard, I'm just going to go to my nominated default fund, there are real penalties that they will impose. Um, because they're really looking to tighten up the number of various superannuation funds any employee has, um, mainly for the benefit of the employee. To be honest, because it's just money that ends up getting wasted with, because uh, every super fund has fees and charges associated with it. That's totally normal. And so, if an employee is paying those in multiple different locations without really being cognizant of it and realising, then that's they're ty- trying to tighten that process up. So. Just to recap, a stapled super fund is an existing superannuation account linked to or stapled to an individual employee, and it follows them around as they change jobs. So if your employee does not provide you with um, a choice of superannuation fund that they would like their super to go into, instead of just going to your default industry fund, you have to check with the ATO whether the employee has a stapled super fund, and if they do, you must contribute to that fund instead. So just one extra step in your payroll setup, but an important one to be aware of. And I thought it was really important to give you a technical update. We don't often do these here on the podcast, but given that it affects everyone, I thought it was important too. Now, this is forming part of some broader changes, of course, that are happening to superannuation in Australia at the moment. So you may recall that on the 1st of July this year, 2021, compulsory superannuation contributions went from 9.5% to 10%. And we are going to see that increase every single year from now on until we reach our goal target of 12%. So on the 1st of July next year, 2022, super is going to go up to 10.5%. Then on the 1st of July, 2023, we're to 11%. 1st of July, 2024, we go to 11.5%. And 1st of July, 2025, we are on 12% super. Now, I think it's important to just be aware of that if you're an employer, because this is going to impact salaries for you. There's no doubt that you need to factor this in when it comes to the cost of employing someone into your business. And I guess while I'm on that topic, a note on the inclusive of superannuation style of salary packages. Now, it is quite legal to have to offer and to have salary packages which are inclusive of superannuation. And if you do that, providing you're complying with any award requirements and all of that kind of thing, then of course it is legal for these super increases to be absorbed because your salary is inclusive of those. However, I have a a bit of an ethical standpoint on this, and I, I come from this particularly for the angle of people who have been on these Um, all-inclusive salary packages since before we knew that super was going to be increased to this extent. Because when most people, and certainly before the 1st of July this year, when they accepted a salary package that was inclusive of superannuation, they understood that superannuation stood at 9.5%. What they wouldn't have understood, because the decisions weren't made probably at the time, was that their salary package was going to be inclusive of in a few years' time, 12%. It ultimately reduces the amount of money that that individual takes home at the end of every week or month or fortnight, however you do your payroll. Now, I urge you to consider whether that's a great business decision for you, to be effectively paying someone less for doing the same job, because that is what's happening. Now, I understand as an employer, you are absolutely paying the same amount because it's just going to super. But the money going home to pay their bills, to pay their mortgage, to support their family, is not going to be the same. Now, I think if you're doing that from this point on and employees should be now aware that this is happening or perhaps it's your responsibility to make them aware that super will be increasing um, so their salary package makeup will change or become more super less salary over time, then the employees going into their eyes wide open, I have no issue with that. But when salaried agreements were made a year, two years, three years ago that were inclusive of super and the employees were not aware that the super mix was going to change, I do have an ethical issue with the businesses that have decided to go that way. Legally, it's fine. it's it's If, if the contract is worded correctly, there's no legal issues, but I think there's a real ethical issue. And I think it will create disharmony amongst employees. They will feel resentful that their take-home income has been reduced. Uh, It doesn't send a great message, is my opinion on that. So I just thought I'd go off a little tangent and share that with you. The other key change we're going to see to super as well is next year, first of July, twenty twenty two. The minimum threshold, the four hundred and fifty a month, is disappearing. Now that's not a huge amount anyway. uh, In that most people would be earning more than that, but it will mean that every employee is going to be starting to accrue superannuation as part of their work with you. So that's also something to factor in. So. I hope that's been a helpful technical update. Again, we don't often do these on the podcast, but when it is such um, an important update and change and there are consequences of getting it wrong, I always think it's important to share that with you. So I hope you've enjoyed that today. Now, if you would like to connect with any other business owners, leaders and managers to chat about all things HR and to be amongst a group of other people who are growing amazing teams, I'd love you to come and join our free Facebook group. HR support for Australian businesses. If you head over to Facebook groups and search that, you'll straight away find us and I'd love for you to join. But I'll also put a link to that in today's show notes, which you'll be able to find at peoplepoweredbusiness.com, episode number 86. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. And I'll be back again next week for a brand new episode. Take care.